0: Investors are seeing really good returns. The rental market's been very hot here. They've been continuing to build some large apartment complexes here. The Airbnbs have been very hot because we just don't have enough hotel space. We have a strong economy and we get people from all over coming to those
1: kind of events. If you're a residential real estate agent earning $200,000 a year and you wanna grow your passive income, this show's for you. Learn the secrets other agents use and hear from experts in our field in order to guide you along your journey to investing in assets like apartment communities so that you can turn your commissions into cash flow. I'm Randall DeCleared. Let's go, baby. All right, Welcome back. I'm excited today. Got a combo with Trey McCauley. He is the principal broker for Realty One Group Bluegrass. He's in the Kentucky market. And we talk candidly about his investing. And it's a really good conversation because he opens up and says some of the things that are holding him back. He knows he should be investing or wants to be investing we talk about the market up there and what he's seeing and supply demand and how it's still driving some of the transactions and just in general it's a good conversation so i really appreciate him jumping on looking forward to the conversation hope you guys enjoy it as much as i did if you're getting value out of the show please jump on rate and review helps us out a bunch if you are looking to invest and you're curious about single family investing we have a course out on commissiontocashflow.com link is in the show notes It's a free course. It's introductory across a bunch of different investing styles and strategies. Um, Just gives you uh, documents and all kinds of stuff on investing and different strategies. So jump on, grab that free resource for you, and hopefully you will start your investing journey if you haven't done so already. Without further ado, let's jump on. Here comes Trey. Let's go. All right, Trey, thanks for joining me on the show today. It's great to have you. I'm excited to jump in and kind of talk about what you're working on in the real estate space. For those who don't know you, can you just briefly introduce and tell us where you are in the real estate space, what market you're in, and what you focus on?
0: Yeah, I'm Trey McCauley. I'm the principal broker and owner of Realty One Group Bluegrass in Lexington, Kentucky. I've been in real estate 20 years. I'm originally from Virginia. So I practiced in Richmond, Virginia for about four and a half years. And then in Southwest Virginia where I'm from, Roanoke, Virginia. I was the managing broker of Long and Foster in Blacksburg, where Virginia Tech is. And then I met a pretty blonde girl on the internet and she lived in Lexington, Kentucky. So I'm here now and I've been here for thirteen years.
1: Yeah, nice. Okay. And what asset class or what are you selling mostly?
0: I've traditionally have been a residential agent, but I'm seem to be getting involved in more and more commercial deals. And then I have Some investors that I work with that really like multifamily. So we're out there trying to analyze a lot of multifamily.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, I want to talk about that then because that's what I focus on mostly. And so you are, I guess, a working broker, right? You're out there doing your own deals as well.
0: Yes. Producing
1: broker. Yeah. Producing broker. So I ask a lot of the top producers who I interview, like, what is the number one thing that you are doing right now that's driving business? The whole idea of the show is to just help the other agents add value. So, is there something right now that you can point to and say, look, this is getting me market share because I'm doing X, Y, and Z? You
0: know, I think people talk about social media, but I think you can never underestimate social media. I've had times in my life where I wondered, you know, did anyone ever see this tweet that I just sent? But people comment to me all the time, hey, your joke on Facebook was really funny, or I just saw your big listing that you got. So, I know people are lurking and watching it. And so for the people that I already know, it kind of reinforces what I do and what I'm involved in. And then for people that may not know me, it's an avenue to help get to know me and my company better. So I would say that. And then I'm a big Brian Buffini disciple. So I stay in touch with my sphere and network and do lunches and write notes and make phone calls. And I think that helps keep me hopefully on the tip of people's tongue and top of mind.
1: Top of mind. Yeah. Okay. Brian Buffini. We'll link to that because that's a solid plug. Yeah. A lot of guys that I know that use that system and his tips, that's like, it keeps you top of mind. Yep. Okay. So you were saying social media. I'm very curious. What platforms are you on? Like, what do you like the most?
0: You know, the people that are smarter than me with social media say Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn for, you know, more of a business focus. And some people say Twitter. So that's what I have focused on. I have a person outside my company that does a lot of posting for me and makes really cool memes and makes just listed posts and things like that. So I have to give her a lot of credit, Jennifer Lee, a lot of credit for making it look really good on Canva or whatever she uses and knowing how many hashtags and when to post and how to schedule posts and all that. So I have to give her a lot of credit for that.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. I have the same. So just again, out of curiosity, if somebody's trying to implement this strategy and hire somebody, you know, like typically, obviously everybody's market is different. I don't know if they're a VA overseas or something, but what do you typically pay for that type of service?
0: I pay her $800 a month for a kind of a guaranteed number of posts for me, my socials and my company's socials. And then our agents can jump on board, I think for $200 a month to have their own postings and everything done I've had people call me and say it's $3,000 a month. And then I've had kind of like the overseas VA kind of thing where it was less expensive than 800. But I knew Jennifer from here in Lexington and I'm very comfortable with her. I don't think she sleeps. So she works very hard at it and is very concerned about making sure that we do the right things to build my brand online. So I've been very comfortable with her. Yeah, But I think there's people out there that'll charge you $5,000 a month if you're not careful
1: yeah for sure so are you on there like across all those platforms are you on there responding when somebody is saying hey you know those or is that yeah
0: i try to be you know it's just like review sites you've got to respond to all the reviews that you get or it can be offensive to the people that wrote the review so i do try to be on there you know sometimes i think like with everyone else it gets a little bit overwhelming when it's really active and then you're trying to work your normal day job and not just be The Facebook guy all day, but I do try to stay on there, especially when I get a direct message from somebody or somebody comments under one of my posts. I do try to stay present with that.
1: Yeah. What I found is difficult with social media for me personally is it's difficult to track necessarily unless you are in, you know, you have some kind of system that tells you, okay, this guy came from Facebook. And so you're immediately inputting that in your CRM. So, how are you keeping track of business one through that avenue?
0: So, I agree with you. I think it's very hard to track because how do I track, you know, Randall calls me and he wants to list his house. And if I don't ask the right questions, you know, I really won't know where you came from. But I may have met you at an open house, but then you started following my socials and my socials are what got you to me because it was a constant reminder So I do think that's a little bit nebulous way, unless just somebody says, oh, I saw your post about interest rates on Facebook and it made me call you to list my house. I mean, people usually don't do that. So I always try to ask where people got my name. But I think, like I said at the top, I think socials can kind of, they know me, but then the social part brings them to me because they feel like they're developing a relationship with me online.
1: Yeah, I find the same. It's interesting when you go out somewhere and somebody's like, oh yeah, I did see that your cat meme trait was so funny. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah, okay, exactly. Well, I, I went to a little high school gathering for my class one Thanksgiving. And a girl I dated in ninth grade, who I probably haven't talked to since we walked off the stage at graduation, came right up to me. And she lives in Northern Virginia, by the way, too. She's asking me about my real estate business and this and that about my kids. So she's watching my Facebook. And then she says, you know who loves your Facebook jokes the most is my 15-year-old son. And I was like, well, that's probably my mature, about my maturity level anyway. So all the 15-year-olds probably like my jokes. But yeah." But I just thought that was an interesting. Like I have not called her, talked to her, seen her. And she knew everything about me and about my real estate. So yeah, I, I think that somewhat shows the power of socials.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. So social media, that's a good tip. I mean, it's it's tried and true with a lot of the agents and people that I talk to.
0: Yeah. I think you have to have a mix of activities to be successful in real estate. I tell all the new ones that, and you can't be all social media. You've actually got to go see people physically, <laughs> you know? Yeah have lunch with them, have coffee with them, network, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Belly to belly, handshake, that sort of thing. That's right. That's what the business is. Yeah. So that's on the brokerage front. And I know, again, you're building your team. So when you're building your team out, like what does your team look like right now? Are, are you...
0: So we have about 11 agents. We Out of that, we probably have five that are really active. I think I've hired some new agents that are good, that have sales experience, that are active I try to stay away from the kind of the hobbyists that just want to do one or two a year because I think they're very dangerous, (laughs) to be honest. So I really try to get in there and interview and make sure they're a culture fit for us and that they're engaged in the business and they want to grow. And I look for much the same in the experienced agents because there's a lot of agents out there with bad habits or bad attitudes. So I really try to get very positive growth-minded people.
1: Yeah. Okay. So 11. And then What's the like price point you focus on typically?
0: My average has been about uh, three sixty, which is above average for our area. We're in about $200,000, to two fifty, I think, for our average sales price right now. Our luxury market starts at about seven or eight hundred thousand, I think, which is different than some other markets. So that's kind of where I hang out. I mean, most of my contemporaries have family, their second or third house that they're buying and selling, so that's kind of where I hang out. I have people that are like, why don't you sell all the horse farms in Lexington? Cause there's tons around us. Mm. And I'm like, well, I don't run with the horse crowd. So, you know, I got to run with the horse crowd if I'm going to be selling these big horse farms. So,
1: yeah. Okay. So the market sounds affordable. I know right now affordability is like a hot topic. Everybody's talking about it. You know, where can you buy something that's affordable Is the rental market there pretty strong? Like, are you getting the one percent rents of your cash loan properties on a rent property if you're buying stuff like that?
0: Yeah, I think the investors are doing pretty well. Obviously, near University of Kentucky's campus, you could have all kinds of different properties. Some people even say slum lords because college kids will, especially college guys, will pitch their tent almost anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I think that investors are seeing really good returns. The rental market's been very hot here. They've been continuing to build some large apartment complexes here, large corporate-owned apartment complexes. The Airbnbs have been very hot because we just don't have enough hotel space. Expanded our convention center. And Lexington, for its size, is drawing people from all over the world because of bourbon, UK basketball, horse racing. So we get in another UK, University of Kentucky activity. So We have a strong economy and we get people from all over coming to those kind of events.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. We've been looking at trying to do a bourbon trail. Yeah. Come up and have...
0: Yeah, come up. I know some guys that'll drive you around for the day.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so you were talking about the rentals and affordability. Let me figure out, I was going to ask you something on that front.
0: Yeah, our affordability is not real great. We have what's called an urban service boundary kind of around our city that all the growth has to happen within that. So that slows us down a little bit. We've really started to spill over into the surrounding counties around us because of that. Obviously, we want to protect the beautiful horse farms and the beautiful views that we have all over this town, but it is a little bit restrictive and causes us to expand outside our natural border to the surrounding counties.
1: Got it. I was going to ask about landlord-friendly state or not. I'm not familiar. So are you guys... Right or left landing on it?
0: Yeah, I think overall we're pretty good. They're talking about kind of the tenants bill of rights right now with city council, which would be very onerous for landlords. There's already tenants already have pretty good rights here in Kentucky. The Airbnbs are really being scrutinized right now. Like a lot of municipalities, they're looking at have paying a registration and the ones that are existing are going to be grandfathered in, but anybody net new is going to have to go through some a little bit of red tape to get registered. And, and some of that's probably good. We have had some incidents where college kids have rented an Airbnb and have had a blowout party in the middle of a residential neighborhood and things like that. But I think overall, our Airbnb owner community has been very respectful of their neighbors and everything, but there is some discussions going on like that with our city council. So yeah. Overall, I would say it's friendly, but there are some things coming probably.
1: Got it. Okay. I've been looking at other markets for multifamily and just selfishly, I go to Indiana because in-laws are up there. And so I've done some research on that, but don't know much about where you are. Yeah, I'm in Texas, so it's very landlord friendly.
0: Yeah. The multifamily has been very hot. I can't even get my investors there to look at one unit and review some rent rolls before it's sold. We just have a lot of heightened activity like across the country with multifamily.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that because that's a big part of the show. It's just really what I'm trying to do is is get agents to invest in passive deals, right? That's the whole idea, understanding what that process looks like and how to get involved either in a syndication or in a fund. And so where do you play a role right now? Are you just brokering those deals mainly? That's kind of what you're looking to do or are you trying to buy them and acquire them, be the lead on a deal?
0: I think I aspire to do more, but especially in this town, I have some very good friends that have They're successful residential agents, but they're investing personally or with, you know, or they're syndicating with other people. And I see the effect on their wealth and cash flow and all of that. So, I have been involved in some smaller deals. I would like to move up the food chain, so to speak. But like I said, it's been very competitive here, so it's hard
1: to be fast enough to get in on some deals sometimes. But yes, I think my wife and I would like to be better at it and continue to grow with it. Is your wife doing real estate? No,
0: she's a nurse. She's an administrator at University of Kentucky Hospital, so she's been in healthcare. She's been a nurse her entire career, and now she's on the dark side in administration. So...
1: We're proud to be sponsored by Ridgeline Investment Group. Ridgeline has a track record of transacting more than 53 million in assets throughout Texas. Ridgeline is currently looking to acquire 100 to 200 unit Class B multifamily communities between 5 and 20 million in San Antonio, Temple, Waco, Tyler, and other Texas secondary markets. To learn more about Ridgeline Investment Group, visit www.ridgelineig.com. All right, so, if it's okay with you, I kind of want to talk and drill into the multifamily side of things. and you're saying it's difficult, right? So,
0: well, it's very competitive. I mean, I shouldn't say it's difficult, but it's we have a very active investor community in this town, and we have investors' group that meets once a month to share ideas and everything. So it's a very active community here.
1: So, what are you looking at? Like, what size buildings? How many units? What's that?
0: You know, we have really looked at kind of duplexes and triplexes. And that's why I say we like to move up the food chain to what I call real multifamily with 10 plus units. And I've had clients that are actually looking at apartment complexes too. So, I think I've looked at a little bit of everything, but just personally, I love the duplex and the triplex. And typically around here, if they're in a decent area, they rent really well. We looked at one guy had been there 13 years. Yeah. So, I mean, we had some really long-term tenants. So the main issue I see in this town is just nobody raises rent, so they're competitive. So when you start looking at the rent rolls, they're really far behind on market rent just because the investors had, a owners had an easy time of it collecting their rent and they haven't done those little increases that they should have done over time.
1: Yeah. I mean, that seems to be an opportunity though, Yep. but you have to have the renter base to substantiate that because if you're going to increase the rent twofold or whatever, I, I don't know how pressed the rents are on the properties that you're looking at, Yeah, but if you're going to increase the rents a lot, you're going to have tenant turnover, but then you can get those- You
0: got to factor that in.
1: Yeah. Those market rents. So I'm kind of curious then, have you bought duplexes have you invested in properties or are you just looking and you're trying to get into that side of it or we
0: have invested like i said not to the level that i want to but we have gone in there and invested and done some pretty good deals so
1: okay but are you kind of in and out and you're selling them or are you holding for long term
0: we had one with a partner and it was going well and it was renting well and we had good tenants in there and then my partner wanted to the money man wanted to move on to something different so we Had to sell kind of against my will, but he was a 50-50 partner, so we had to respect what he wanted to do. And we got in and fixed it up and rented it, and the next person was very happy with what we had done, and we sold it quickly.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. So like I'd flip. Yeah, so we've done a lot of that. I guess on the other side, so if you're looking at some of the other deals that are coming up, or do you work with investors? Maybe that's another avenue that we can go down.
0: I don't have a ton of them, but I have a very loyal group of people that just said, these are our metrics. You know, if you find us something, present it to us. You don't have to present us everything. And like I said, the inventory has been so low in that realm that I've really had to dig in to even find things to present to them, but I have. So it just takes a couple extra steps of work. and. We have a lot of wholesalers here too. So it's working through the wholesalers.
1: Yeah, that's some way to find some deals. Look, this doesn't need to be on the recording, but if you're okay with it, I'd like to have a conversation about, and this is if you're serious about investing and buying something like what is holding you back and or what would get you to that next step to actually buying something. Okay, Just out of curiosity, if you're not comfortable, you don't want to talk about it.
0: I'm fine with it. You know, I think we have two smaller, they're not small, they're nine and 11. So I think just trying to make sure that we have college funds saved for and getting them into school and all that kind of stuff, that's where we're obviously focused. But we also have very good friends that have been successful and they paid for college with their investment properties or they built a retirement account of rental properties, basically, that's going to pay them in retirement. So, and my wife is more conservative in this realm than I am. I mean, I've been out there seeing deals and know what's going on in the market. So I'm much more comfortable with what I think just getting her with me eye to eye is probably part of it. I think finding the right partners sometimes is Not all, you know, we don't have millions of dollars in the bank to get commercial loans and do the things we need to do. So we've tried to do it with partners. Yeah, And I think you have to have the right partner in there. Those have probably been the main thing. And we're just not fast enough. I mean, like I said, these things are getting snapped up off the market probably faster than we can move right now. And that's true for some of my investor clients too, that they're uncomfortable moving that fast because they want to have some info. So those are probably our holdbacks.
1: Got it. Okay. And I appreciate you sharing that because this is a lot like people trying to get into the game and trying to buy things. I mean, this is all, so you've got find the right partners who are going to go in on a deal with you, saving for school, and you've got spouse alignment. Like Those are like major barriers and things you have to consider. Obviously, if you have a risk tolerance of X and your wife is at Y and you guys aren't in line, then that's one thing.
0: And she's expressed that she wants to do it. So she's not against it. It's just she's a little more slower decision maker than I am where I'm more, more rapid. So.
1: Yeah. So this is interesting. I've been flipping houses. I'm a broker. I've been a broker for a long time and I've always been on the investing side, right? Just buying and flipping and that sort of thing. Right. My wife literally just bought and flipped her first house. And oh. the conversation that I had with her was, I don't want to do this. I want you to do it. You're going to run it. You're going to do it. If you lose money, fantastic. You're only going to lose X amount. I've looked at it, right. you know? Because that was the mentality that I had when I first went into it, and it's a—if uh, you think about how much money you spend either on education or trainings or going to seminars, or going to camps, going to whatever it is that you do to stay up to date with everything that you have to do—and you think about, okay, if I invest thirty thousand dollars, I get a hard money loan, so I put thirty of my own money into this thing, and I'm able to flip it. If we make five hundred bucks, it's a win, right? If it takes me six months, just because you're going to learn that,
0: well, and that experience that you gain out of every one, because every People that I know that have invested for the long haul and have done hundreds of properties, even the last property they did, they're like, I learned something on every one. For sure. And it helps me to know exactly what I want and know what to say no to, which I think is very important. So I think you're right. I think even if it's, you don't make thousands of dollars, you make 500 bucks. I still think that's a win. And I agree. I mean, you don't want to lose your shirt, but you also, as you go along, you just become more ingrained with what you want, how you want to do it.
1: Yeah. And I literally told her, I said, look, if you lose five grand, that's okay. I don't think you're going to lose any more than that. She's been in the business. She was working with me for a long time. So she understands the title. She understands lunch and all those things she understood. So she had a level of knowledge About doing it. And again, I would argue if you're going to lose five grand, you're not losing it. You have invested $5,000 because if that $5,000 expense gets you to a deal in the very next one you do, you learned enough to make $30,000, then it's a huge win. So, That's one thing on the spousal alignment. We're saving for school. I literally was just talking to another agent. She's out of Denver and she's crushing it. And she was talking about the same thing with her clients. Like She has this thing where if anybody's saving for college, she has this little chat with them like, hey, you know what? If you bought a house and you had somebody in there, your college tuition is going to be paid for. And you know, you're a little bit closer to it. If they're nine and 11, you've got like, you need to be buying something and having that thing paid down pretty quickly so that that house is paid off when they go to college and it's basically pays for their college tuition.
0: Yeah. My mind has been really open to that and I just never thought of that. But actually when I was at Keller Williams, they had a class where it was like, every time you have a child, buy a house. And then by the time they go to college, it'll more than take care of your needs.
1: Yeah. The other side of it, I mean, if you haven't done that, one, you could go out and buy one if it made sense, obviously. Or when they go to college, if that's the plan, right, then you buy a house, rent it to all the friends, let the friends pay for it, and then they get a ton of experience.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, in the UK, what's happened a lot is your kid's a freshman and you buy a house for him and three of his buddies to live in, and it ends up being such a good cash flowing thing that they keep it after the kid graduates and is long gone. And they keep the investment because it's a it's a wonderful investment. So
1: yeah. I went to school at Tulane in New Orleans and a buddy of mine ended up buying a house that was an old gas station that it was converted. Anyway, he rented all these rooms out. It was right next to the campus and he was crushing. He still has it. So yeah, it's a good investment sort of deal. And then on the partner front, yeah, if you're looking at deals and you're going after like a 10 unit, are you familiar with syndications and how to put together a syndication? And yep. yeah. Okay. Because yeah, it's one of those things you have line of sight on a deal. And if you have people who are looking for a certain type of return, then you just piece that whole thing together. You may have to have somebody come on and sign on the loan for you or be a key principal or something like that. But if you're building those relationships now, then that's one of those things that you have it set. You say, look, this is what I'm looking for. If I find X, Y, and Z, will you sign on the note? Then I'll give you a percentage of the deal just for Signing on the paper. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people that will do that because you are in real estate and you have the experience and you have a line of sight on those deals. Right. So, Anyway, yeah, it was a good chat about that. Just because I think that a lot of times there's just something that's holding somebody back from getting into the game and going and investing. So, yeah, just wanted to run through that with you, and I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. So, yeah, anything else that you are working on now that is interesting, exciting? Anything you want to chat about? That.
0: Well, I just think I've been having a lot of conversations with the agents about if you haven't been in touch with your people, your clients, past clients pick up the phone and call your spear and call your past clients. This is the time to be bearing down and we've got to do more of it. And in the hot market, you may not have been doing any of it. So we need to get back to basics and be talking to people. We need to be contradicting the what's out there on the news. I mean, I was in a closing the other day and it was the father of the buyer saying, well, I'm glad we got this done before the market's going to crash. And I was like, why do you think the market's going to crash? I mean, the main thing you need to know is supply and demand, and the supply is not there, but the demand is still there. So I kind of turned him around a little bit with some facts and figures, but I think we need to be out there talking positively about the market, and nobody likes the 7% interest rates, but I think that's going to die down in the fall going into the winter, hopefully. And I think it's important for us to be out in front right now and leading, and I think investing still a good strategy for agents to build wealth, absolutely.
1: Yeah, very cool good advice, Trey. It's great catching up. Yeah. Good having you on the show. Thanks for sharing your information.
0: I appreciate you. It's really nice to get to know you better.
1: Yeah. Same here. I highly recommend jumping into an investment. I highly, highly recommend it. Yep. Well, I may- If there's anything I can do to help, stay in touch and I will definitely- Yeah. I may
0: pick your brain on that outside of this. I didn't want to take up all the time on your podcast, but I think I'd like to talk more directly with you. So I'll pick your brain if you don't mind.
1: I do not mind. I do not. So- good catching up if you want to reach out to trey if you're in that market by all means do so we've got his contact information in the show notes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode surprisingly most of the agents we speak with got into real estate hoping to gain passive income and become work optional however only one in five ever start investing most are simply too afraid to start once you get educated by listening to this show you'll be able to overcome that fear and become the one in five who are finding financial freedom. Don't miss a single episode. If you want to stay up to date, the best way is to make sure you're subscribed. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and do it now. And we'll catch you on the next episode.